Sweet, they're going to pass the buckets around. You guys get some yard work done yesterday? A little bit? No. <laughs> it's like, nope, not yet. You're holding out, man. You're holding out. Spring is coming for you, though. You can feel it in the air, yeah? Must be, I, I, I keep saying, it's probably been the longest winter I can ever remember. I don't know why, but I am excited for spring to be here. So, hey, um, I'm excited. If you were with us last week, anybody with us last week at the service last week? Yeah. Um, I'll catch you up if you weren't, uh, because I'm going to kind of tee off of where we were at last week. And and what I did uh, last week as we gathered, we opened the Word of God, and the way we kind of um, framed it all out, the way we leveled the playing field a bit is, um, you know, around the room, uh, we're all unique in our journey. We all have a specific relationship and walk with the Lord, but uh, we do share some things in common, a lot of things in common, in fact. But one of those things is that for all of us across this room, if you're here today, um, chances are if we, if we just paid attention to your life, if, if we were able to have those conversations with each other, we see very quickly that we're all in, in places in life that I call in-between places. We all have things that we're praying for, things that we're longing for, things we're waiting for, resolve, answers we're looking for to, to questions that we have. And, and some of you that looks different ways. You're waiting back for results, a medical test. Some of you are, 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 are waiting like a, the voice of the Lord to help you with an important decision. Some of you are in the middle of a, a, what you might call a battle or a storm. Maybe it's relational or, or something in your family or something at work. And, and you're in these places and we're holding these places. And, and the best way to describe it is, 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 uh, is you know that there's a, a difference between where you're at and maybe some steps that you need to take. And maybe you're awaiting those steps. Maybe you know what those steps are and just haven't been able to take them. But either way, you're sometimes caught in this in-between places. I have places in my life where I'm in these in-between places. And they're places that kind of seem mysterious and seem a little unresolved and, and seem like, I don't know what the Lord's going to do here. I don't know what, my, what God's plan is here. I don't know what the future holds here, but I'm going to hold this place. And, and what we talked about last week was in these places of mystery, there's a there's a, uh, there's such an importance for the way we steward these places, the way we handle and respond in these places. We spend so much of our life in these places of mystery. But it's interesting because when we look at Paul as Paul, Apostle Paul, uh, decades later after Jesus ascends into heaven and, and he hands off the church to the apostles and the disciples and said, goes and spread, go, go and spread, go out into all the world, Paul is trying to make sense of all this. And when Paul refers to Christ, when he refers to the gospel, even decades later, he's just kind of starting to get a clue of what Jesus was actually coming to do and what Jesus actually came to change, which is why Paul often refers to Jesus in the gospel as a mystery, right? He referred to it as the mystery of Christ. He's like, I, 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 you know, I, I think it's becoming clear now, I think, but it's still kind of a mystery. I'm still just trying to wrap my head around this. I'm still trying to wrap my heart around this. There, there's a mystery. The mystery is Christ, and the mystery is somehow that Jesus came not to just reveal himself to us, but to reveal himself in us. What a mystery. I mean, who, who, who ever saw that coming? And so Paul starts talking about this mystery, and he, he's a proclaimer of the mystery, and he's a, he calls himself a steward of the mystery. And, and it's almost like we have these mysteries in life, in our 
responsibility is then to steward the mystery of Christ in the middle of the mysteries of our life. And in that place, there's a discovery of what is available actually in Christ. It's in these places of mystery when we learned not to just try to solve our mysteries, but to steward our mysteries, that we actually began to tap into what is actually in store for us in Christ, the abundance, the vibrance, the vitality, the life, the fullness, the riches of what it is to tap into everything Christ has secured for us through the cross, through his works, by no works of our own, but through him, through the success of the cross, he invited us into him. He decided to make his home in us. And that, my friends, is a game changer. And that's why we call it the mystery of the gospel. It's the mystery of the God. We're, we're, we're still trying to figure this out. We're still trying to catch up to what God has been doing all along. And so Paul, as he's making sense of this, he, in several of the books of the New Testament in his letters, he refers to the mystery. But in 1 Corinthians 4.1, we looked at this verse last week. He's, he's talking to the Corinthian church, and he's walking through. He's like, listen, if anybody thought they were wise in the human standards, if anybody thought that they knew what was going on, they're fools, right? You have no idea what's going on. God, it's, it's, it's in God's wisdom that all these things came to pass. And so, and so he then sums it all up when he's talking to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 4.1. He said, listen, I, I, basically he's saying, I, I don't really know what to tell you about us. I don't really know what to say right here, but here's what I do know. This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. I don't really know what else to say. We're stewarding mystery and we're serving Christ. We're stewarding mysteries and we're serving Christ. And he's summing up the nature of his ministry in kind of those two ways that this is really what I know about us. And, and, and last week, we, you know, again, we focused a lot on the stewarding mystery place. It's the place of in the mystery when we know who we are in Christ. That, my friends, is what allows us to be in those in-between places and be okay. That's what allows you to be in a battle and be okay. That's what allows us to walk victoriously before your battles are over yet. We are learning to walk in what Christ has secured for us before we know the total outcomes of every situation. We're not waiting until outcomes and results to tap into our peace and joy. We're learning how to access that now so that it walks us through our battles and our storms. Anybody with me here in this place? That's what we're doing together. That's what Jesus came to do. Christ in you, the hope of glory, yeah? And so Paul says, but we are stewards of the mysteries. We are servants of Christ. And I want to focus in on that a little bit here today. Here's, here's how the mirror paraphrase, the mirror Bible translation that Francois Dutoit, which by the way, he's coming back in May, which will be a lot of fun. Here's how he translates this particular verse, 1 Corinthians 4.1. He said, this is how one should regard us, so-called apostles. We are the under rowers of Captain Christ, responsible for the engine room, as it were. We are entrusted with the administration of the mysteries of God. And then he goes on to explain, well, we won't have this on the screen, I'll just read this out. Track with me here, this is so good, track with me. Here's how he explains this translation here. The unveiling of the mystery of the gospel of man's association in Christ is the driving force of the church. The word, uh, the word in Greek, huperites, 
means an under rower. That's the word that was translated servant of Christ. And you translated under rower. It means under rower who was the one in the galleys of a ship and rode in one of the most under, in, in one of the undermost benches. Those who were the lowest ranked slaves and often the most invisible part of the whole operation. We are not hiding behind fancy titles or impressive resumes to try and win your applause or financial support. We are not here to impress you with us. Our mandate is to impress you with how complete you are in Christ because of God's doing. Whoa! And so he said, listen, I don't know what else to say, but I am, I'm an under-rower. If you want to know what to think, I am an under-rower in the ship of Christ, with Christ as my captain. I am the bottom. I am least rank. All I'm doing is serving and doing my part in an unseen, invisible, unheard way. That is my calling. That's what we're doing. And Paul has to reframe what it means to be a spiritual leader. He's talking about him as, a, as, as an apostle and the other apostles. He said, this is what our ministry is like, but come on. He's trying to reframe what people know of leadership and what it means to have power. And this is what Jesus did, and this is what Paul had to do. They had to constantly reframe what power and authority and leadership looked like, where everybody else would look to the Roman government and look to politicians and look to other worldly leaders and say, oh, that's what it looks like to have power and leadership is to lord it over people and to be in control of people and to get them to do what you want. They said, no, 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 that's not what this is, because if we're in Christ... If Christ has all power, then we have no reason to try to impress you with ourselves. All we're doing is trying to serve you in a way where you can be impressed with everything God has included you in in the beginning. If you're in Christ, your future is secure. You have no reason to try to win the applause of others. We have no reason to lord any influence or power we have over people, but more so, it frees us and liberates us to come underneath each other, to serve Jesus and to serve each other. And this is what it looks like to be in Christ. Um, Because when we're uncertain about our future, our tendency is to be consumed with fear and security. You guys know what that feels like sometimes, right? Sometimes we still can get uncertain. We lose sight of our position in Christ, and we can get uncertain. And, but the, the reality is, when we're liberated, when we've been liberated, we realize that all I have is God's. Everything I have is God's. Everything he has is mine. That I don't worry about my future, but my future is Jesus. My future is Jesus. So that means that everything can be taken away from me, and I still lose nothing. You can take it all away. I can give it all away. I don't have to worry about securing tomorrow for myself. My security is in Christ. So I'm going to spend my days and my mental energy and my heart energy and everything I have not to try to get and to preserve and secure, but to give away and to serve and to pour out my life fearlessly and confident in the one who, 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 who holds my every day. That should change the way you think, right? And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing with us. He's saying, I'm giving you a new way to think about this. Because, you know, come on, if we had to depend on the outcome of tomorrow for our security, we have a lot of reasons to freak out, don't we? Come on, people, there's a super volcano in Yellowstone. Did anybody hear about this? 
<laughs> you got the emails. I mean, you saw it. I mean, come on. It's not just a volcano. This is a super volcano, which means it's a volcano, but it's really super, all right? I don't know what that means, but it sounds really bad. And apparently, it's about to flip a switch, yeah? It, it could get angry any moment, right? And the moment, well, the one, one day it decides to have a bad day, we're toast. It's it, man. Spam. I mean, all of Colorado, all the mountains, all knocked out. If, if, if I was depending on, if you and I were depending on the outcome of the news and the outcome of where things are going to secure us in how we feel, we have a lot of reasons to be worried, right? And that's why even economically, we get worried sometimes. Poor people worry because they're trying to make money. Rich people are worried because they're trying to keep their money, right? And no matter where we are on the spectrum, unless we're certain about our future and confident in where we've been positioned, then we're going to be given to a certain way of thinking and a certain worry and a certain anxiety. But those of us who are in Christ... We're giving a new way to think. We're given a new lens through which to view the world. And that's why Jesus had to teach us that it's so much better to give than to receive, not just because the person you're giving to is blessed, but because in the act of giving, you're releasing your heart from any worry about what you could be losing. There's multiple miracles that happen when we give. There's a miracle that happens in the person we're giving to, but there's an important miracle that happens in our own hearts. Because every time you release something, you say, it doesn't own me. I know who owns me. And it's not this. It's not my time. It's not my treasure. It's not those things. I know whose I am. And so Paul, in this same, this same attitude, he's writing to Timothy. Timothy is his son in Christ. Timothy, he raised up and trained him up. And Paul is writing letters to Timothy to equip him to pass the baton and he's charging Timothy. And Paul, in this passage, is reflecting on his life. And he's saying, man, I've, I've come a long way at this point in time. I've, I've done a lot of things. And here's what he says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6-8. He said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And he writes this to the Philippians too. He's like, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. And again, he's kind of summarizing a life well lived. And he's saying, listen, I'm at this point. I have taken myself and I've just, I've emptied myself out. I've poured myself out to God, to the people I love, to the church, to the world. And when he uses this phrase drink offering, that meant things specifically to the audience, and, and everybody, everybody knew what that meant, because it meant a couple different things. If you were a Jew, a drink offering in the Old Testament is when a sacrifice was made, and the people of God would bring a burnt offering, an animal, uh, to sacrifice to God on the altar. They would do a burnt offering, and then a grain offering, and then finish it off. It's the last offering. It was a drink offering, which is in numbers, that it's considered like a libation or a, a cup of wine. And what they would do is they would pour it over the burnt offering. And as they poured it, it was just a, symbol, a symbolization of like a finality. That's all we got left. And, and as it would pour and as that glass would empty out, it would hit the burnt sacrifice and just vaporize into nothing. And so the Jews are like, oh, I know what a drink offering is. 
Even the Romans, even the Greeks, as they were thinking about the drink offering, even the Romans, after every Roman meal ended with a kind of sacrifice, a cup of wine was taken and poured out to the gods. They would pour it out to the gods. So even if you're reading this, they would know that, listen, this is kind of like a final thing that happens. This is an emptying. This is like, this is a all I have left type of thing. And so Paul is saying, listen, I, I, I've run my race. I fought the good fight. And come on, if I had anything left in me, I have poured it out as a drink offering to God, to the world, to you, Timothy, to the church. And Paul knew that this is the crux of the kingdom life, the Christian life. This is how, this is the fruit of being in Christ, is that we get to pour ourselves out. And Paul is not just making up these words himself, but really he's just taking his cue from the God he knows and the God he loves. You guys know that God has poured himself out to you and to I. And even Paul looking at Jesus, Jesus would come, he would he would redesign the way it looked to be a person of power, to be a person of a leadership, to be a person of influence. And he not only spent his life pouring out, but then we know he, he would go to the cross. And in his final breath, if he hadn't poured out enough already, we read that a spear enters into his side and water and blood comes spilling out onto an earth that needs healing and redemption and wholeness. Jesus himself was offered as a drink offering. He poured it all out on our behalf, and Jesus knew that he was not alone in his little party in heaven. You see, Jesus has some friends, and he knew that the Holy Spirit was about to come. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come to just give us a taste, the Holy Spirit comes to pour himself out. And so Jesus would pour himself out to pave way for the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, in Acts 2, as the believers were freaking out in the upper room and praying, we don't know what to do, because Jesus, from what we can tell, is not here anymore, all right? Like, we love that he's alive and he's well, but from what we can tell, he is not helping us move this thing out. And so Holy Spirit shows up. And it says that, you know, he poured himself out and for, to fulfill prophecy. The Holy Spirit pours himself out on all flesh because that's what he does. And the Holy Spirit, he's just mimicking what the Father's been doing all along, right? This is in Romans 5, it talks about the Father pouring out his love. And that's what the Father does. The Father pours out his love. Jesus pours out his blood. The Holy Spirit pours out himself, the Spirit of God. Onto all flesh. We just serve a God who loves to pour. (laughs) That's the very nature of God. It's not a trickle. It's not a sprinkling. There's a pouring that happens. There's an unreserved thing that happens with God. He loves to do that because the thing with God is that there is no scarcity in heaven. Do you know that? There is no limited supply in the Godhead. Like the Father, Son, and Spirit aren't worried about what's happening tomorrow. They're not worried about how that, you know, if I pour out too much now, what are they going to do? You know, they're not worried about rationing things out and budgeting their pouring. The love of the Father, the Spirit of God, the completeness and the, and the permeation of the, the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. I mean, there was no thought of, I'm just going to do enough for now. The whole nature of God is an unreserved pouring. 
And so Paul takes his cue from them. We take our cue from the Godhead too in the sense of, come on, when we are in Christ, that really all leads us into lives that are poured out for him, lives that are poured out to each other, lives that are poured out to the world. We have nothing to lose. Nothing of the kingdom can be stolen or taken away. It's all his. All our lives are his. There is nothing that we can be robbed of. There is no such thing as lack when we are in Christ. So that means we get to change the way we think and we get to live our days in a way that pour, we pour ourselves out joyfully and sacrifice because we know what we've been invited into. Anybody? That's what he does. Have, have you ever been poured out? I mean, do you, you know what that feels like, yeah? So, I mean, I, I would guess most of, the, most of us in this room looking at your life, looking at the way you live. I mean, there's the situations where you've just felt poured out. Like you just gave it all up. You emptied yourself. You held, held nothing back. I think we see that in a lot of ways. We love to be a blessing. I think everybody loves to bless other people. Everybody loves to serve. Everybody, I, I, I really believe that everybody wants to, to be a force of good in this world. And so we have opportunities to do that. And, and you see this play out in your own life because in all our different spheres, we have opportunities to pour out. In your family, right? Husbands and wives or with your kids or with the people in your life that you consider family, even if your, your biological family is not here, just with family in general, we want to see the people around us blessed, right? We want to see them poured into, sowed into. We want to give what we have into the people we care about. Uh, we do this at work, right? Even though you're getting paid, we're still, we're still, we're still in a posture of our heart where, as believers, we're wanting to do our best and to go above and beyond the call of duty, right? Okay. And we're, we're wanting to not just do what's expected, but there's something in our heart with our clients and with our uh, customers, with our patients, that we're wanting to, uh, I want to pour into that with my coworkers and boss and those types of things. I want to not just take, but there's something inside of us as believers. We do want to be a blessing, even at work. The other key relationships that the Lord uh, puts us into, there's... Um, unexpected relationships he puts us into where he wants us to not let that relationship be marked by what we're getting from it, but just to give and to encourage and to invest and to sow. And, and then certainly in the church, uh, among the body of Christ, even here this morning, there's those of us who are, have been just been pouring in. You've been serving. You've been giving. You've been going in. You've been giving what you have and those types of things. And, and I really believe that there's something in us that loves to be a blessing, but all of us, I think, have known what it means to give so much And one or all of those areas I just mentioned, family or work or other relationships or the church, where you have done that, but you've been at the point, as I have, where there's times where you felt like, man, I gave so much, it actually started to hurt, right? You start thinking about that. Like, I love giving, but man, I I poured so much that, man, it just started to cost me something. I was pouring so much that, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just got to a point I just didn't seem, I just didn't feel seen. I didn't feel heard. I didn't feel validated. I didn't feel appreciated like I should have been. So, I mean, I love to serve, but, man, I got to a point where 
You know, we've all been to that point where you've emptied yourself out to, to the point where like, man, now it's, now it's starting to cost me something here, right? And we start to think a couple different ways in that point in time because, man, we, it's like, man, I love to serve. I love to pour myself out, but I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know I was going to be treated like that, right? I did not sign up for that. I mean, I want to be a blessing, but I did not sign up for that, right? Does anybody ever thought that? Come on, everybody raise your hand here. That's happened to all of us. Listen to me. Here's, here's the point. Serving is a lot of fun until you begin to feel like a servant. In case you've never thought of it. Serving is a lot of fun until you're treated like a servant. But let me just suggest that that is the exact moment where your serving actually begins. (laughs) Serving, (laughs) Serving is fun until you're treated like a servant. But that is precisely the point where your serving begins. Let me give you an example. I, I think, again, all of us love to serve. I had an opportunity recently where I got to go to a local nonprofit and serve and to be a part of this organization. It's doing great stuff in the community. And it was fun, you know, just giving some time over and just helping out this organization and um, uh, coming in, helping them with what they're doing. And, and uh, I, you know, the first, like, two or three hours I was in there, I mean, it was great. I mean, you're in there. I'm a, we're, we're making a difference, right? We're doing things. And, and um, you know, you feel like you're, you're contributing, right? You feel like you're giving. You feel like you're being a part and that type of thing. And, and then, but, you know, at, at a certain threshold, and I think this changes for all of us, but in this particular scenario, I remember it was right about hour three on this day that I started to become aware of, wow, there's a lot of other things I could be doing right now. And I just became conscious of like, wait a second, I got to write a talk for Sunday. What am I doing here right now? Like there's spiritual things I could be doing right now, right? Like I could be at home with my family. I might do my time. I have all these errands I need to run. And I started to make this mental checklist of things I could be doing, what I was doing. as I, was, I actually got to the point around hour three where I just realized, wow, this is costing me more than I wanted it to. Right? Like, the first two or three hours, like, yeah, I got, I got a few hours, right? Like, I can do this. Everybody's got a couple hours, right? I got to a certain point, there's a threshold where it turned for me, and I realized nobody even knows who I am here. Nobody even knows what I'm doing here. I'm doing all the stuff in the back room or this and that, and I don't even know why I'm doing, I could be doing so many other things right now. And I realized at that point in time that up to that point, I was serving out of my abundance, but as soon as that, fl- that switch flipped, when I began to serve out of my sacrifice, that's when the serving actually began. It's really easy to serve and to give out of abundance. It's a whole other thing to serve and give out of sacrifice. That's why when it comes to a life of generosity, it's one thing. It's not, not to be uh, despised or not to be... Um, you know, disregarded when we give out of abundance. Congratulations, you had an extra 50 bucks and you gave it. You know, pat on the back. That was, that's awesome that you did that, that you gave out of your abundance. But what about the opportunity when we get to give to the point where it hurts us a little bit? Because I'd like to suggest when our lives are being poured out, when we're emptying ourselves out, there's a point to where it has 
to require something of us. And while serving is good and giving of ourselves is good, we begin to start to count the cost and then we start to withhold. And so um, uh, what happens is we start to be more conscious about what's going on. And, and you, you, we've, we've asked these questions. You've had these thoughts before. Here's what it feels like to be a servant. Others don't see how much I pour out. I pour out more than they pour out. Come on, anybody ever thought that? Anybody? You guys are all liars, all right? We need to change the sermon right now and do an altar call. Others don't see how much I pour out. I pour out more than they pour out. They don't pour into me as much as I pour into them, right? And so what happens is we are this cup, we are this vase that's filled, and we were pouring, and we are pouring and pouring until it started to go badly for us, right? And we're in this pouring position. We're up on edge, right? We're up on edge, and this is going well for us, right? Until it starts to hurt. And then there's this temptation to say, okay, well, I need to, I need to, okay, I've reached this, this, this threshold now where if I keep doing this, they're just going to take advantage of me. They're just, they're not seeing me, they're not hearing me, so I'm going to start to pull back here, and I'm going to come like this, because maybe if I just go upright, and if I just do this, and just save what I have for me, or for tomorrow, save the rest of what I have here, then maybe that will teach them a lesson, right? Maybe they'll, they'll learn something from that. Come on, anybody, anybody who's married, uh, know what that's like. Have you ever tried to teach your spouse a lesson? Did it ever work? No. Because your spouse is not your student. They're your spouse. You're not called to teach them. You're called to pour into them. But come on, I'm, I, need to, I, need to, you know, she, I need to show her how much I'm really doing, right? And so I need to limit what I do for her today because I want her to see what I'm doing. And so we're pouring and pouring, and then something, we get tricked in our thinking, we get fooled. If I go upright, maybe I can preserve what I have, and maybe I can just get filled up over here. And then once I feel filled up, I'll start pouring again. Anybody ever been there? But here's, here's what the scripture says in Matthew 5.41 in the message. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. Okay? Jesus said in Luke 6.38, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Did you catch that? In Proverbs 11, 23, 25, it says, The desire of the righteous ends only in good, the expectation of the wicked in wrath. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. See, the thing is, the heart and the nature of God there are scriptures that say that he will fill our cup to overflowing. Okay? And so there's a reality that God fills us up to overflowing. But there's a greater invitation. There's a greater invitation that Jesus invites us into. And I think this is the reality of being in Christ. 
if when we're aware of what has been given to us, when there's a temptation, when we've given and we started pouring until we started seeing it hurt a little bit and it costs something, there's a temptation to pull back. But I, I just need to remind us today that it's only in the pouring position that God promises to fill us to overflowing again. When we pull upright, there's something, there's something that happens in our heart. There's something that happens around us where, where we're not actually accessing all that God has poured out, but it's in the pouring position as we begin to lean again into the poor. You know what I'm saying? As we begin to lean in, there's a trusting. He said, God, I feel like I need something right now. I, I, I feel like I need to be poured into right now. But God, whatever you've given to me, Right now, I'm going to use that. I'm not going to reserve it for tomorrow, but I'm going to trust in your abundance for today, and I'm going to start again, and I'm going to start pouring. And it's in that pouring that the heart of God says, that is a posture of heart that I will release heaven into. And there's a pouring that happens into us. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Give, and it will be given to you. Give, and it will be given into you. That's much different than, hey, once you have things, then, then think about giving it away. But for those of us who are in a place even today where you have been hurt, you have been wounded, and so you've been tempted to go upright again, you've been tempted to say, all right, enough is enough, God is inviting you back into a pouring position because he wants you to know the outpouring of his life into yours as well. That is the posture of heart that we're invited into. Are you guys with me here today? That changes the way we think, that changes the way we do our relationships here. God fills us up. God loves for us to trust him enough to lean into the poor because that means that we're trusting that he is going to be faithful to fill us up, to pour into us, to fill us to overflowing. And that's what he does. And this, I think, is so important for us here today. It's been a a message burning on my heart for a while because I believe that we are to be a people marked by unbelievable sacrificial service towards one another. It's something I'm trying to let the Lord grow me in. I believe it's something we're supposed to be known for as a community. Can you imagine the day where all of our ministries, with all the needs that we have around here, with all the opportunities to give and to support, could you imagine the day where we had too many volunteers, we had too many people serving and believing in the vision and pouring themselves in, and because they were pouring themselves in, God was pouring back into them. Could you imagine that day? Can you imagine that day where we weren't just waiting for each other, for, for people to, to step up to the plate in service? Can we imagine that where we're living in such abundance that we have so much, we're only aware of what we have to give away? I think about that. I think about our ministries. I think about what we would do, supper in the park in just a couple weeks, and we invite our friends every uh, every third Saturday, Benny and Nikki Nowell with the Sevens Ministry. Every Saturday night, they're down there, but the third Saturday night every, every month, and you guys have heard about this, we do supper in the park. They're ramping up this Saturday night, or uh, April 19th, the night before Easter, down uh, in, in Boulder. They're going to have 100 uh, homeless people, over 100 people, friends on the street down there, and they have needs. They have food that they need. They have volunteers. Sometimes we don't have enough food or volunteers. Can we imagine a day where every opportunity we can to pour, we're pouring out. We have more than enough to give away. Can you imagine that? Isn't that the type of church we want to be? 
We want to be those people. In Kids Quest, you'll hear about this later. We talked about this last week. We have people, we have opportunities to serve our little ones. We have opportunities to go in there. And some of you are thinking, I'm not sure if that's me. Well, guess what? This is an opportunity for you to pour. If you have held back and probably had a lot of good reasons to hold back, uh, God, I believe, wants to invite you back into the poor, to pour yourself out, to empty yourself out again. And I really believe as we steward the opportunities that God has given to us, he was going to entrust us with more. But that won't happen until we learn to do this for each other, until we learn to take care of what he's already already given to us, do we learn to seize the moment, to live in abundance with what we already have in our relationships here, in our families here, in our ministries here. I see this happening, and I'm excited. The Lord is inviting us into a new outpouring, and that happens as we continue to stay positioned in the pouring position. You guys catch the heart here this morning. And please understand, if, so let, me, let me just offer a couple things. If, if you're in a relationship that has been abusive and has been manipulative and controlling, and I'm not saying that you need to stay in that relationship. Some of you need to remove yourself from those situations, okay? I'm not saying you need to suck it up and just continue to do that. Some of you, you need to get outside counsel in those things, okay? I want you to hear me on that. But we have to change the attitude of our heart. That as we are under rowers of the Captain Christ, if we are in the ship, we take delight in being the ones who are unseen and unheard. And I'm going to go into the secret places and I'm going to give myself away because he's given everything to me. I have nothing to lose in the kingdom of God. That was a nice golf clap, everybody. I appreciate that. It's okay. I won't hold it against you. And so this morning, I I do believe, I believe that there's a refreshing and outpouring. This is all really what this is leading up to. God's heart to pour himself out. And that's something he wants to do anyways, by the way. The Lord loves to just fill our cup just because. Let's just make that clear. But it's in the changing the way we think that we're invited into so much more. And I believe that's the type of people we're becoming. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the possibilities here. And so I want to pray for us today. And first of all, I want to pray for you in this room and some of you here this morning and maybe you're exactly the person that I just talked about. You're somebody that maybe you've given yourself away so much that you're like, man, I just need, I need a touch of God in my life. You felt like you've, you've given it to the place of pain towards her. I've just emptied myself out for these people, for, 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 for this family member, or even in the church here, and you've given yourself to that degree. And my prayer for you today, let me just pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for every heart that has been poured out in this place. And I know that there's so many in here that have done that and do that consistently. And I thank you, God, for your promise of provision that you will water the hearts of the ones who water others. I thank you for your promise that as we give, it shall be given, God. 
the measure through which we pour out will be measured back to us. I pray for every one of us today, Lord God, that needs an infilling of your spirit. I thank you, Jesus, that you have given yourself to us. You've poured out. You've opened up the floodgates of heaven. And God, you are teaching us what it means to access the reality of being in Christ. The abundance is ours today, not tomorrow, but today. We thank you for peace to enter that heart.